Hi everyone, Sean Paul Ellis here from the Saturday Morning Cartoons Podcast. Remember, that's morning with a U. Some pre-show announcements. I'm so good at these. I'm having so much fun with them. Pat myself right on the back. Today's quick pre-show announcements are a shout-out, Patreon, and also what is happening on today's episode. Our shout-out. It comes from YouTube on episode 5, Centurions. We love the Centurions here. Zoe Burnham, she asks us, I'm surprised that you haven't done Muppet Babies yet. Well, guess what, Zoe? Psst, we actually have. It's episode 165 with our guest and friend, Charlie Visconage. Go check it out. We promise that we're not hiding any of these episodes from anyone. I know with over 250 episodes that we've done for different cartoons, it gets a little confusing. It might be a little disorganized. In order to hopefully fix some of that problem, go to any of our social media sites, our Twitter, Instagram, even our Facebook. There's a weird link that says Linktree. Click it. And then there's a button you can go and see all of the shows that we've watched. Seriously, go now. I will seriously wait. I'm actually not going to wait at all. Our next thing, we want to ask you to be a patron. We have a Patreon. You can become a patron on our Patreon. It's not confusing. That's just wordplay. That's good wordplay, gang. You can support this show and our original content by becoming a patron on our Patreon. We like this show. We hope you like this show. We like ad-free stuff, so consider being a patron. Don't want to support it? Cool. This message isn't for you. Enjoy the show. We hope you really honestly have a lot of fun. If you want to support us, awesome. We really appreciate it from the bottom of our hearts. Click the link again. It's in the link tree for any of our social media sites. You'll see a button that says Saturday Morning Cartoons on Patreon. So what is actually on today's episode? There aren't a lot of cartoons for the U.S. holiday of Thanksgiving. It's a holiday that sits between Halloween and Christmas, and it doesn't get a lot of cartoon love, despite the fact that the other two get tons and tons of cartoon fanfare. So in order to address this, we're going back to 1968 to watch the cartoon The Mouse on the Mayflower from Rankin Bass. You may have heard the name of those two previously. We've talked about their cartoons a lot on this show. (laughs) Want a historically inaccurate tale of the pilgrims with a mouse included for humor? Don't worry, we gotcha. So does this Thanksgiving cartoon hold up? Does it get you in the Thanksgiving mood? All of this and more. And so now, on with the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Cartoons, the Collider weekly podcast for all things animation, including news, reviews, and interviews, coming to you all the way from the hold of the Mayflower. Yes, that Mayflower, the ship. I'll be your co-host, Sean Paul Ellis, and joining me from the New World, a.k.a. either Virginia or Cape Cod. I don't know, 400-year-old spoilers that were thrown out here, gang. Don't worry about it. Welcome my co-host, Dave Trumbor. David, 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 how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. Down here on one of the coasts, just maybe, maybe farming lobsters, maybe growing tobacco. <laughs> Depends on the season. I mean, they're kind of the same coast, right? Sort of both same in coast. the northeast. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll go mid-Atlantic to northeast, but yeah. it's the, who knows? We don't even know what this is. Four hundred years ago, we don't know where we are right now. <laughs> this is going to be one of those confusing things for the ages. I can't wait till like the the American history scholars somehow happen upon this particular podcast episode and a yell at us for like spoilers that are 400 years old and right. b tell us how very very wrong we are i'm also we should also note first and foremost that this week's episode is sponsored by history.com yeah thanksgiving <laughs> celebration with history.com also ancestry.com right <laughs> there's so many in there you're going to want to chase and understand your mouse lineage as much as possible Because, hey, guess what, gang? We are talking about Mouse on the Mayflower today. You are getting ready to have Thanksgiving in a couple days. You're probably five days away from Thanksgiving, depending on when you're listening to this, if it's on the actual release date. It doesn't matter. Anyway, we are excited for Thanksgiving. If you are an American listener who is participating in Thanksgiving, congratulations. If you're international, this probably means absolutely nothing to you in any way, shape, or form. I would love it, though, if we had, like, international listeners who wanted to celebrate, like, uh, I don't know, streaming podcast Thanksgiving with us. That would be cool. So you guys are more than welcome to the party. It's a big table. We got a cornucopia, yep. <laughs> a horn of plenty, which you never hear about anymore, but we got it. You guys are welcome to it. Absolutely. And keeping that in mind, we are, of course, talking about the mouse on the Mayflower. This is a, a very interesting cartoon from 1968, Rankin-Bass production. 
it's a little bit different from the Rankin-Bass cartoons that we probably know and love and that we've talked about on the show previously. So this is not a stop-motion animation in any way, shape, or form. This is an actual hand-drawn animated cartoon from 1968 that was actually done and created by Toei Animation. So there's some interesting things about this that we're going to get into very shortly. But if you are not familiar with sort of the whole idea for the mouse on the Mayflower, we are going to turn this over to longtime friend and listener of the show, Bobby Anthem, to give you a synopsis of the mouse on the Mayflower. Bobby, take it away. The Mouse on the Mayflower is a 1968 animated Thanksgiving television special created by Rankin Bass Productions and animated by Japanese studio Toei Animation. The special is about a church mouse named Willem who is discovered on the Mayflower, befriends a Native American mouse, and eventually helps the colonists celebrate the first ever Thanksgiving. Awesome. Thank you, Bobby. As always, we greatly appreciate it. If I had to put Bobby Anthem in an animated story about Thanksgiving, what character do you think, Dave, I would have him play? Captain. Oh, yeah, 100% Captain. Ship Captain. I would also say at some point I could just have him narrate the entire thing. I would be totally down we with that. We always default to just every role that there is can go to Bobby. So he can be a mouse. <laughs> he, can be, he can be a little English lady on the, on the ship. I'm cool with all of the above. <laughs> this is this is a great D all of the above style question that we have. Love it. Uh, yeah, we had actually the narrator was uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford. Oh my god! For I, this. this is one of my my big like nerdy geek out moments of this. Yeah. Do you know Tennessee Ernie Ford? Uh, I know very little oh about him. Oh my god! I so for the longest time, you probably don't know this this song. Let me let me sing it for you. For oh, a Thanksgiving, as a Thanksgiving special out there. Yeah. For a Let's get ready for these licensing problems. Yeah. You know what, though? Bobby should actually sing this song because he he has the voice for it because Tennessee okay. Ernie Ford had that deep kind of deep voice. Bobby obviously has that. He sings, you load 16 tons. What do you get? Another day older and a deeper in debt. Anyway, that's all I'll do today. No. That's perfect because the cease I, and desist is in the mail. Exactly. We've already got a strike on YouTube and we haven't even uploaded it yet, but... <laughs> I love that song. I mean, it's it's an old kind of classic, you know, tune. Um, just go check it out. Tennessee, Ernie Ford, 16 tons. Go check it out and right. listen to it. But I've only known him from that for years and years and years. So when he popped up on this as not just the singer of the songs, but also the narrator and the voice of the narrating mouse, I was like, that's actually really cool. I had no clue that he had done all that other stuff beyond uh, just that song. So that was pretty cool. That was, that was yeah. like a weird geek out moment for me from, you know, 70 years ago or whatever it was when he recorded that. <laughs> Right. Well, you know, Tennessee Ernie Ford obviously being a positive in this, we are going to take a look at the Mouse on the Mayflower in terms of not a spaghetti western, but we're going to take a look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. And instead of the ugly, we are actually going to take a look at the LOL. So we're going to take a look at the good aspects of this cartoon, the bad aspects, and then really kind of what made us laugh, whether it was intentional or unintentional. We're going to really kind of have fun with this in anticipation of the holiday uh, obviously recognizing and noting that these are our personal opinions through one watch through of this. If this is something that you have watched that really meant a lot to you, please message us. We'd love to know about your opinions, your impressions, if this was something that you held near and dear to your heart back in 1968 when you may have actually watched this show. We should mention, much like Disney Plus has on their current uh, list of old classic material, that this quote contains outdated cultural depictions. So... While our conversation will not obviously be super racist, uh, a lot of the things from this, you know, special from 1968, surprise, surprise, is not super great for the current cultural climate in 2019. Go figure. Gang, if you thought that some of the cartoons that we watched from the 80s and the 90s have not aged well in terms of sexism and subtle racism and... Not so just, subtle racism. Yeah, not so subtle racism <laughs> and, and just kind of the content that they have that's in there. You know, being in 2019, thinking about this, this cartoon is that Disney Plus. It's pretty bad in terms of what we actually have there. So we are going to note and recognize it as much as possible so that people understand these things. But we are not going to delve into it other than to say that, you know, Native American and their heritage is wonderful and beautiful. It's something to be respected and understood. This cartoon does a lot to really gloss over a lot of it and is very problematic in that sense. I will say that the only kind of good thing is that the the overall message of this 
cartoon was not to just give you kind of a history of, of sort of the Mayflower and compact and the, the travel from England to America and the early uh, settling of this country and the first Thanksgiving and all that. But also they did kind of like underline that cooperation between the colonists who came over here and the native peoples who were already here and had been here for centuries. Um, they don't do a good job of it, but their main message is one of cooperation and a spirit of working together. But like Sean said, they very much gloss over the, you know, genocides <laughs> and racism and things like that yeah. because uh, Thanksgiving. Not only that, but they really kind of don't tell you what happens yeah. after the cartoon no. ends because relationships get really rocky nah. in terms of what continues to move forward. Everybody's but guess what? Yeah. That's history. Uh, you know, literally and metaphorically in terms of what we're talking about today. Right. So we're going to get into and let's talk and discuss a little bit about some of the good that's in the mouse and the Mayflower. Dave, anything particularly good that you really enjoyed from this cartoon? Uh, from a historical time point, it's weird that we chose right now to watch this because we just had the 399th anniversary of the Mayflower Compact. So next year on November 11th, which happens to also be Veterans Day, um, you'll get the 400th anniversary of that. For some people, that might mean something. I just thought it was kind of cool. Uh, we already mentioned Tennessee Ernie Ford, so I like the fact that he was there as well. And Sean mentioned previously that this was the first Rankin-Bass production. It's actually the first one for their company after they changed their name from, I believe it was Videocraft before Correct. that, which sounds like either like a, a David Lynch movie or a, or like a bad video chain store. I don't know. So good move, Rankin-Bass, but not a <laughs> I thought it was a Lovecraft thing, thing that they were doing. It could have been a Lovecraft thing. Yeah. Very Lovecraftian. It's like Videodrome meets Lovecraft, which is kind of already Videodrome. <laughs> And you also mentioned, here's one of the other things I want to nerd out about. You mentioned this was a Toei animation project. Mm -hmm. Yes. Which is good and bad. We'll talk about the bad probably more <laughs> than the good. But do you know who was an uncredited animator, keyframe animator for this special? I don't. Hayao Miyazaki. Was no apparently way. a key animator because this was during his time at Toei. Apparently he was a key animator on this show. Now granted, our only source is Wikipedia, so who the F knows, but... He was at Toei during this time. He didn't leave until um, a couple of years after this. Probably encouraged to leave by having to work on this, uh, I'll say Thanksgiving special. I won't say the other hmm. word I was going to say. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> but I thought that we was should also, Well, we should mention that Miyazaki is obviously the co-founder of Studio Ghibli, right. who has done many, many beautiful things like Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle. There have been tons and tons of things that have, he has done that have just been unbelievable and beautiful over the last four or five decades. Yeah. So it just goes so. to show that even if you work on something that isn't necessarily showcasing your best or doesn't ultimately end up as the best of your work, you can still have quite the career ahead of you. <laughs> so if you're currently struggling as a key animator on a terrible Thanksgiving special, you can still be a Miyazaki. Or it could just simply be that if you are a key animator on something that they've done that is horribly, in some cases, very racist, you could then suddenly... Uh, have Wikipedia narc on you and let everybody else know what's going on. Also so true. congratulations. Thanks. Welcome Wikipedia. to 2019, unfortunately, <laughs> where all your past sins are laid bare. Oh, yikes. I want to say, you know, you you kind of talked a little bit about sort of the, the animation. And, and I actually really appreciated the history hmm. that this this brought up as well. Um, and I don't know. I, I like I I'll self admit that I am not the greatest student of history. I don't do a great job with it. I am terrible sometimes at remembering dates and sometimes when these things happen. So it was kind of nice to sort of have in the beginning of this sort of some of the historical significance and the dates that were very important in terms of what was going on, understanding, you know, September 6th, 19 or yeah, 19 C. See how bad I already am? 1620, <laughs> September 6, 1620, you know, kind of all of this being set in motion and understanding that really this kind of goes from 1620 until 1621 right. is really what this cartoon encompasses, just those two years before relationships get a little bit rocky. So it, it's cool to learn more about that as well as also the Mayflower Compact and kind of how everybody's sort of keeping themselves uh, responsible and, and, you know, accountable for the actions and what they're doing in the new world and, and how that is functioning. New world, obviously, from the perspective of the pilgrims that were coming over, that land had been there for a long time previously. So. <laughs> a few billion years. <laughs> yeah, a few billion years. And what's, yeah, what's so. interesting to that, too, was, you know, they don't talk too much about the plight of the pilgrims, but they were also an oppressed people who were seeking, you know, their own versions of freedoms. That's why they made that journey all the way over. Uh, to the new world, quote unquote, it is at its heart still like a really good 
it's part adventure story. It's part kind of like personal freedom story. It's part a story of cultures coming together and actually working together for a common good. It's just, unfortunately, that didn't hold. Um, but yeah, the special is not concerned with the rest of history. I will say, though, that one of the things that's very interesting, too, that from the historical standpoint and also sort of the design aspect of this are all the characters that they have that are included in the show. Very historically accurate in terms of some of the people that we have, right. like Captain Miles Standish. Uh, you know, obviously the mouse being a hundred percent historical accurate yeah. in terms of what's going on. Yeah. Who doesn't want Willem mouse? Who's the church mouse as a part of this? I will guarantee that there was at least one mouse on the Mayflower. Yeah. <laughs> like the, if you have that many people and that much food and grain and whatever else stored guaranteed, you got at least one mouse. <laughs> no, but they, they do a good job of kind of talking a lot about some of these particular characters yeah. and, you know, a quick Google search yielded, you know, the fact that a majority of them actually were real people right. and there were a lot of players that were involved in this. And so it's it's kind of interesting to see that side of things. Again, I'm not a history person. It was good for me to kind of understand and learn a little bit more. I always love it when I watch something and then it inspires me to do a little bit of Wikipedia research to, to learn some additional insight in terms of what happened. Right. That stuff to me is very valuable to kind of spark that interest in me. What's weird is for me, like I didn't like the history aspect was cool. I like that it was kind of educational. You know, they didn't really mess around with that too much for the rest of the holiday specials. It was more sure. entertaining. I like that it was kind of educational, was based in history, had that kind of like, you know, patriotic zeal to it. And, and we've lost a lot of those Thanksgiving celebrations. You know, these days we move right from Halloween to Christmas. That's it. You gloss over Thanksgiving. Everybody, you know, has their celebration with friends and family or whatever in their own ways, but. You know, you watch football, you watch parade. But as a kid, I grew up decorating the front of the house, the windows, the kitchen, everything with like actual Thanksgiving stuff. And we don't do that anymore. So it's just kind of like, I don't know, I missed that as a kid. And I feel like we don't do that anymore. So I like that we actually get to talk about a Thanksgiving special. But I didn't really care about these characters. (laughs) I say all that and I'm like, I don't care about these people. I I cared more about the behind the scenes stuff. Um, The writer for this, for better or worse, his name's uh, Romeo Mueller. He wrote pretty much all of the Rankin-Bass holiday specials, but he also wrote for like Thundercats, The Hobbit, uh, Wind in the Willows, a ton wow. of other stuff. Go check out his IMDb. He's got a ton of credits of like all kinds of iconic stuff. And then voice actors like Eddie Albert, who we found was in the 90s uh, Spider-Man series, but he was also the, the male lead of Green Acres, one of my favorite old-timey sitcoms. Right. And then also June Foray, who uh, unfortunately just passed away, I think, last year or the year before. Um Famous, famous voice actor, but most known for um, Rocky and Bullwinkle as Rocky, right. Rocket J. Squirrel. And she um, was also in The Adventures of Gummy Bears as well. Yeah, a ton of stuff for her, too. That's just kind of like her most notable. So for me, like all the good stuff, it was fine. But it was mostly the behind the scenes stuff. Like when are you going to get like June Foray, Romeo Mueller and uh, or Mueller and Miyazaki all working on the same project? Right. Spoiler alert, you're not anymore. So that's it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that got dark. Yeah, like a very dark, very dark, very quickly. Guess what? This show also gets dark pretty quickly towards the end of it as well. So we'll be discussing that in a little bit. I will say, I know that you brought up about your love of uh, Tennessee. Yeah. I really enjoyed some of the songs that were in this. I thought that they were really enjoyable. Uh, Let's be honest, they're not. They're not like club slappers not, that you're going to hear. Bops. They're not fire. Yeah, bops. they're not bops. No. They're not fire and bops. These are still really good though, yeah. and they're they're fun. And I'll say this: I sometimes have a very hard time or a challenge in October, November, and December, sort of getting into each one of those particular holidays and the spirit that kind of goes along with them. Mm. No pun intended for Halloween. Sure. But at the same time, like I, I sometimes. You know, I need to I need to kind of get into it. I sort of want to be brought into it in some enjoyable way. And I felt like these songs that were in this cartoon were light enough and sort of well done to a degree that brought me into maybe that Thanksgiving spirit. So I was excited or that that fall kind of. No, no, no. I'm just laughing. It's like it's like there's no you know, if you think of Halloween or you think of uh, New Year's or Christmas, especially like a song will come to mind. Or a movie sure. will come to mind. A title or right. something will come to mind. Thanksgiving, like, unless it's like Charlie Brown or football or whatever. There's no songs. <laughs> right. The there really song. aren't. Planes, trains, and automobiles, but there's no songs. <laughs> so maybe Mouse on a Mayflower on The Mayflower will, uh, will be added to your Thanksgiving spirit collection. I don't know. 
Yeah. No, I mean, it, it definitely put me in sort of a fall nice. kind of fun uh, mood while watching this today. It was good. I enjoyed these songs. Some of them were a little bit humorous with certain aspects of them, especially the one where they're they're trying to find elbow room like on that. the Mayflower itself. Cute. And there's there's a lot of like step aside brother that they have going back and forth. Yeah, because they're trying they're, to be like polite to each other in the pilgrim spirit. But they're also just like, get out of my way. I got no room. Need, and I'm claustrophobic on this giant ship. Need a little personal space and I need exactly. you to respect it right now. Yeah. So please kindly get out of my way. Exactly. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah. Very yeah. passive aggressive leading to being aggressive. <laughs> but it was it was good. That's all. That's all I want. I want bops that are passive aggressive. Yeah, passive aggressive that bops. That I can continue to listen to. Exactly. Passive aggressive <laughs> holiday spirit bops. Why is that Perfect. so hard for people to deliver? That distills how I'm probably going to be around my family 100 percent of the time <laughs> yeah, over the holidays anyway. Absolutely. So that's what I want. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, let's bottle that. Make this. If you want to make us a song that is a passive holiday or passive aggressive holiday bop, please let us know. We definitely want to. We definitely want to get into that. I want at least 12 songs. I'll take an EP. I just whatever you can do. We'll be happy with anything. Works for me. Yeah. What didn't work for you in the show? Oh man, there's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> there is a lot. I want to make sure we have time for it. There's a couple of things. We obviously talked about some of the historical things that have not aged well in terms of how they refer to certain groups of people that are in this, continuing to to call Native Americans Indians. They make some specific mention of uh, I don't know if they do this with the actual human beings, but they do this with a particular mouse mm-hmm. that they they meet. And so we, we've obviously talked about, and I think we've com- almost completely glossed over the fact that, you know, we keep talking about the mouse on the Mayflower, and our mouse that we have, his name is, is Willem. Mm-hmm. And Willem, at some point, in uh, when they land in Massachusetts on Cape Cod, they are talking about the fact that he runs into another mouse who happens to be Native American, and they his name is Little Big Thunder. Right. And Little Big Thunder is in traditional Native American uh, kind of garb. Yeah, the in, feather in the and the leather and all that. Yeah. Right. So very stereotypical. Yeah. Uh, and when they see him, they're like, oh, I see a red mouse. Yeah. And I, I cringed so hard it's pretty bad. when that happened. Yeah. Because it was not- so casual. It was very much a casual name drop. Like, oh, and then I met a red mouse. It's like, okay. Oh, buddy. And, and then we and made a this- football team together in the nation's capital. We don't really need to talk about that other than for the same fact of just changing the name of that team. There it is. Just knock it out. Uh, this kind of goes to a, a bigger problem that I had for this cartoon in general was just the oversimplification of a lot of these relationships. Sure. Yeah. And so they really kind of watered and dumbed them down to presumably make them very accessible. Again, this was a cartoon in 1968. I'm sure that they were really trying to appeal to the masses and not taking a lot of these things into consideration. But you, you know, you have the the relationship between the pilgrims and the Native Americans. They really kind of oversimplified that and glossed over it. Yeah. Uh, you have sort of at one point they mentioned that there is a quote unquote bad apple who is in the Native Americans. <laughs> There's group. a bad apple in every bunch. I like yeah, that that's but, their way of saying like, eh, there are pe- good people on both sides. Like that was yeah. the kind of ooh. the problem for this is that there have been two quote unquote bad apples that have been in the pilgrims group for the entire time yeah. and they don't really address or point them out. They're just kind of schemesters yeah. that are there. Did your uh, historical research on Wikipedia or beyond uh, mention whether or not there were like Cockney pirates aboard the Mayflower? Because man, that was another problematic <laughs> thing. <laughs> just wanted to yeah. be sure. Just very unfortunate stereotypes that they would pull into these things. Uh, you know, they, they gloss over the fact that, you know, during that, that first winter, going from uh, 1620 into 1621, that they lost a lot of people yeah. during that time. And they sum it up with, we lost many friends. We lost many a friend. And they show an image of a bunch of gravestones. Like they show a cemetery, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, with like crosses like in kind of like a hillside. And they and that takes all of three seconds worth of time in this cartoon. Now, I know that they're not going to hover okay on this. It. Yeah, because it's for kids still, and they don't want to linger on that too much, but they want to get the facts across. I get it. Sure. You know, but they they also talk about the fact that like the first Thanksgiving and it was something where they they come in and they were like, oh boy, was there turkey? There sure was. And historically, if you go back and you take a look at this, there was probably there's there's a real good chance that there was never an actual turkey at the first Thanksgiving. It's probably like fish, right, yeah, fish they and said like a, roots, vegetables, yeah. Exactly, they said a Which majority of it was probably coast. Right, that's not a bad choice either. It's not bad. So 
you know, they had a lot of coastal fish that they had that was available and a lot of seasonal vegetables. That makes sense. That's what and they had that was available. For that today for the real pilgrim experience. <laughs> that's yeah. Some, right. That's some curated hipster joint for a Thanksgiving meal. So that was kind of my, my main gripe with this was that there were a lot of things that obviously they were trying to appeal to a particular audience when they created this, but it kind of glossed over a lot of facts that historically we knew, we knew even back in the sixties and they were just boop. Let's not even put them in there. Because so, it's, it's sort of, kind of that, a like, that mythology around the holiday, right? It's like they were partially right. historically accurate, but it was more about that cool mythology that you kind of like dream up and you tell yourselves and you learn it in school. And it, it, it does gloss over a bunch of stuff. This wasn't meant to be like, you know, Liberty's Kids Thanksgiving special or anything. It was very much just like, here's the story that we tell ourselves. Wasn't it great? Which is fine. Yeah. There was a weird it's... time jump, though. That that threw me off because I was expecting like the story of the Mayflower, which it starts right. off with that. The ship kind of like foundering out at sea and it's like in rough waves and you're not sure if they're going to survive and it's pretty rough. And then it jumps after like a song, I think, in the title card. It jumps to like current day, 1968, Massachusetts. Yep. And it's just like, wow, there were just like cars driving through uh, through the streets and like cities with skyscrapers and stuff. And I was just kind of like, uh, what we are had we? Ships and bridges at some point. Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? Like, what? For some reason, they decided to like frame this story as one of Willem the Mouse, his descendant, many, 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 many times removed, uh, is telling the story because he's like super proud of his ancestor, um, the fact that he signed the Mayflower Compact with all the humans, and he is the one telling the story. So keep that in right. mind as kind of like the framing thing for this. We're hearing it from an outside perspective, and they don't cut back and forth to the present, I don't think, too much anymore after that, but that just kind of no. threw me a little bit. Yeah, it's weird because especially at the end when they sort of show an American flag with all 50 stars in it and then they show Mount Rushmore and a bunch of things. And so it's, I guess, along the lines of what you had mentioned, you know, sort of going into the, you know, the the pageantry around a specific holiday and sort of kind of like building up this mystere kind of around it and, and the legend and the lore that's there. It's, it's interesting to kind of see them then go one step further with, say, this is really an American story. And you're like, ah. I like how much they hammer yeah. home that it's like, it's America. Just in case you it's didn't America. know, it's America. <laughs> like, in case yeah. you missed that somehow in your history class. Right. Your American history class. <laughs> it's funny to think, too, that, you know, Rankin Bass, you know, being able to do this, you know, uh, like, you know, having, having worked with this and uh, to put it together you know, through Toei Animation to create like an actual, you know, specific thing, like a Japanese animation studio to create a legend and lore around the Thanksgiving story that takes place in the United States. It's, it's so weird. But also, it like, there's that. I mean, granted, American productions have been using Asian, and I, I mean that, you know, Japanese, right. Korean, yeah, some some Chinese forms to animate stuff for years without ever really giving them credit. We still do that today. Um, but it's just a, what a weird thing. I would like to know how those production meetings went down. Like, well, we're changing our name from video craft to Rankin Bass. What's the first thing you want to do? Somebody's like Thanksgiving special. Awesome. Yeah. Green light. What? Moving forward. We're going to yeah. animate it in Japan. Hold on. What? It's just what a weird, just kind of like combination of events that went into making this their first special from Toei animation, hand-drawn, traditional animated, Miyazaki working on it, and then a Thanksgiving special of all things. I don't know. It must have just been the timing right. where they had or a budget for that. Or some existing relationship that they had that they, had no that they leveraged. So. Sure. They probably had like a TV deal or something where they could run it on a TV. Right. So they just had to make it in like six months. <laughs> I don't uh, know. But going along crazy. back to some of the things that were bad, uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that I thought some of the voice acting on this was either pretty good or absolutely terrible and tragic. Yeah. Some were good. The majority of it was really bad. Right. The voice direction was pretty bad. And then, yeah, the, the in-between animation yeah. going along with that was the actually really bad. narration, too. obviously, as we've mentioned, very well done. But then when you get into some of the particulars yeah. that we have, the voices uh, <laughs> are very robotic and kind of stilted. Oh, William Bradford. William Bradford, man. Uh, William Bradford, Bradford. William uh, Bradford. not having ever been in uh, Cape Cod, Massachusetts ever before, for some reason, had a very Boston accent suddenly. Sounded like a JFK impersonation. It, he was like, he was an ancestor of either Kennedy or Trump. Somehow they both uh, kind of like merged together in the same character. The, it was a weird delivery. And yeah, he was definitely just trying to do like 
uh, Kennedy. Was Kennedy still around at this point? In 68? Yeah. When was he assassinated? 69? Oh, boy. See, gang, again, I said bad at his bad history. Because what a weird thing if the last thing this guy ever did was like the Kennedy impression. And then no, I mean, he was assassinated in 1963. No, 63. So he knew yeah. and didn't care and yeah. continued on his merry way. <laughs> yep. Very, very weird. So, the, you know. Well, luckily, like Willem the Mouse, there's plenty of other Kennedys still there. Yeah. So he had plenty of inspiration to choose from. Uh, I also want to say that I thought that there were some places where the animation was a little bit stilted for me as well. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love Toei Animation. They've done so many wonderful things. Obviously, looking at sort of where this was in terms of history and, and what they've done, there were just a lot of styles that were included in this just, just felt like it was kind of all over the place. It was. There were moments where they had static images where they would pan over a static image and it seemed as if they were coming back from a commercial break because it would usually accompany one of the stories that was used kind of as an interstitial to segue back into the cartoon itself. Right. Uh, but they, some of them were just bad. Some moments where there was a lot of action or a lot of motion that took place was kind of wonky and a little it was bit jank. Mega wonky. Now, granted, we're watching like 50-year-old um, footage of this stuff too. So it's, it's hard to separate in fact from fiction or just like degradation of, of quality of material but at the same time i can't imagine toby was like awesome i can't wait to animate this american thanksgiving special for western audiences that we'll never see or be associated with except on a podcast in 50 years right there was so. also there was also a moment where I'll, i can't forget it it was pretty early on when they were on the ship but bradford made a motion and his arm was kind of up in a oh, yeah. weird position and then it bent Yep. In an unnatural, what Anatomy I would assume. And physiology, that, it was just kind of a suggestion for these guys. Uh, he looked like he was possessed in the way yeah. that his body just kind of like, <laughs> and just cracked and they got back into position. I was horrified. There's another moment where they're panning across a crowd and one of the characters in the foreground is a, is a pilgrim. He's got his hat on, but he's just got one eye that's just like, <laughs> just like popped out, just staring oh. at the camera. And the other one's just like looking off in a different direction. But that eye just stayed directly center in frame. And I don't know why they chose to do that, but it was terrifying. And that image is going to stay with me for the rest yeah, of my days. Yeah, it was not good. <laughs> and we're borderline LOL now, I think. Yeah. Some of those things were like pretty laughable. When you I, got uh, them actually made you laugh for good or bad. So I there was a moment that made me laugh for bad. That was there were weird cameos that it looks like this cartoon had inside of it. Hmm. where there was a moment very early on where they have the mouse with a cat and the cat looked like Tom from Tom and Jerry. Oh yeah. That was very frustrating. There was a moment where we have, uh, we have Mullins, we have Priscilla Mullins and uh, what was it? Alton, uh, mm -hmm. John Alton. And she's kind of like dreaming or there's a moment where they, they kind of pause where it looked like a still from sleeping beauty. Like, oh, that whole dream sequence yes. was a hundred percent lifted from Disney princess stuff. Straight like if you watch it, off. if you just watch that clip, right. Or just watch that sequence. And I wouldn't tell you what the context was. And I, I give that to you. I'd just be like, what, you know, what studio is this from? You'd be like Disney. Yeah. yeah I don't know which princess this is. It kind of looks like sleeping beauty. kind of looks like Cinderella, but you would just be like, yeah, hundred percent. That's Disney. Yeah. So I don't know if that was, you know, early Miyazaki having like Disney, you know, fanboy stuff on the brain. Yeah. I mean, but it was good. Like it was animated really well. It was but it's it because was, it was just a rip from Disney stuff. Yeah. So I mean, it's a small it's a small kind of knock, but it's yeah. worth noting that you're going to oh, see yeah. kind of some of these similar styles in this cartoon, especially in that story, right? Because right. it was weird. She was like she was like a princess waiting for her prince to pick her up and sweep her off her feet and yeah. take her somewhere. I'm like, you were pilgrims on a boat in the middle of the Atlantic North. Like, where is this coming from? Well, well yeah. We had, and also, like, there, where, where was that notion of, like, princes and princesses in the 1600s? I mean, right. I'm sure they had their fairy tales and stuff, and they were obviously familiar with royalty, but I don't know, I don't know about the Disney-fied stuff. I don't know. It was just a weird moment to kind yeah. of segue into something that was a little bit more romantic and fantastical right. in, in that sense. esque yeah. Yeah, it was weird. And then we just randomly had a bear that comes in for all of like 60 seconds that looked like Baloo from the Jungle Book. I and... thought we were back in Kissifer <laughs> for yeah. a minute. I thought the Kissifer yeah. gang had like got lost in time and wandered onto the Mayflower. <laughs> it was weird. It was very weird. It's worth noting because those things definitely were bad for me. But like Dave mentioned, they were bad kind of on the LOL side of things. Yes. Anything else that was bad for you on the LOL side? Well, the bear is paired with a quote-unquote like bad apple. 
right. uh, from the from the Native American. So I don't know if they like did that to soften up the like how much of a villain this guy was or whatever. <laughs> but it was just silly. Um, That's how you soften villains. Give him a bear. Give him a bear. Soften him, a bear. him up. There, I mean, there were just like cute things throughout. So like Willem's talking about his um, his or, or the the mouse later on is talking about his ancestor who was on the Mayflower, and he makes a joke a couple of times about how many generations there were between the two. So you're talking 350 years in like normal time. However many generations of mice that is, is like incalculable probably. So to me, that was just funny thinking about like thousands of generations of, of mice going back 350 years. So they made that joke a couple times. That made me laugh. I also like little visual gags. Like they would always pair things with the humans and then with the mouse down to scale. So as the humans, when they arrived after they got lost and they ended up way farther north than they should have been, they rowed ashore in, in boats. So they came from the Mayflower out to the main shore. Then they would also show Willem doing the same thing, but he was rowing in a little shoe. And I don't know. I just thought that was cute. They reminded me of like an American tale. Yeah. All the stuff where they would pair, you know, the people walking through the streets and then they would show down on the scale of the mice, the mice kind of like walking through the gutters or the alleys or the sewer tunnels. I've always liked that kind of sense of playing with scale and, and pairing things on the human scale versus these characters. So you can empathize with them a little bit better and you make those kind of like mental connections of, of the story that they're trying to tell. I thought that was pretty good. No, I agree. I I really laughed hard at Willem in the shoe. That was cute. Just trying to catch up, especially because they're like, and where was I on that ship? That was the one day I had slept in. And then it's yeah. just him just paddling. Just, just real, paddling just it. Going, yeah. going. I love it. I love, cute. Put a mouse on a crew team. Let's see what happens, gang. And Willem, Willem was great. I mean, he was the one he made friends with the Native American mouse first. It, it, I think it's important to point out that like he's the one that's kind of helping all along the way. There's a point uh, in the story where the um, the main crossbeam of the ship like cracks in half. And they're essentially like, well, we're all dead. So... <laughs> I guess we're just going to drown. We'll just pray and drown. There's a lot of praying, too. They made, they made this very religious, which kind of makes sense, knowing the uh, themes. Yeah, but given like, the eh. constituency that came across the Atlantic. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes 100% sense, Dave. It was also just weird, because it's like, I'm not used to just seeing a bunch of people just gathering around and stopping for five minutes in a kid's cartoon to pray. But anyway, here we are. So they couldn't figure out how to fix the boat. So Willem actually guides them to like um, a screw on a printing press that they could use to like lever it up and, and to hold the beam in place. And I'm doing hand motions that none of you can see at home as you're listening to the podcast. Uh, but there were things like that. So he made friends with the Native American. They showed, they like made the connections, made the relationships. Willem essentially made sure that the colonists, for the most part, survived to see their first Thanksgiving. I thought that was a, a cute point to focus the story on the mouse. No, I agree. I, it just, it was fun to kind of see Willem. There was almost a moment where I felt that Willem could have been more involved in the story. Yeah, yeah. I would have actually really enjoyed because let's 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 break this down very very quickly. So we have the pilgrims as you know making the journey to uh you know to what they thought was Virginia but ended up landing on Cape Cod. So right. that's really kind of like the main a plot that we have through this. Yeah. Uh, as a supporting character, we sort of have Captain Miles Standish understanding what his role is and kind of supporting in terms of you know military strength that's aboard the ship. Did you think there was a weird love triangle between Standish, Alton, and Mullins? You 100% beat me to the next point. Oh, that my was, bad. That was the, that's the whole thing, is that they 100% have this weird love triangle where Priscilla is definitely into getting some, getting some or she's into getting pilgrimaged by John oh, Alton. God. And Standish continues to kind of ask Priscilla to to sit next to him, right. or or he's looking yes, out for her. The seating arrangement was very important yeah. throughout this entire special, for whatever reason, for all the way till the end. Yeah. yeah, so they're they're going through all of this stuff, and and Alton is really helping Standish broker that relationship to yeah. Priscilla Mullins. Priscilla Mullins then finally, as like the as like a strong woman, is like, well, what do you want? Like, why can't yeah. you stand up and talk for yourself, John Alton? Why do you keep going with this guy, this military dude? What do you want? And it was great to kind of see that moment of her actually saying that out loud because after 45 minutes, yes, 45 minutes of this cartoon, yeah. I was sitting there saying, I don't know, this guy's got to, this guy's got to kiss her, get off the pot. Like something, something's well, it was, happening there. It was weird because I didn't know who was into who in that triangle. Cause it was sometimes like Alton was really trying to impress Standish and it wasn't really paying attention to Mullins. Mullins was obviously trying to get with Alton, but was kind of like fending off Standish at the same time. But right. then Standish had like, you know, one hand on each other's shoulders, kind of like, well, I like you young lady, but he's like, you're my protege and I want to keep you safe too. So it was a weird relationship that the three of them had. Yeah. 
Yeah. We have sort of this, you know, the the C plot kind of being sort of the the first winter and kind of understanding right. some of the the dynamic that we have that's there. And then ultimately the final is is kind of the the wrap up of sort of the the main A plot is just sort of the survival of the pilgrims and kind of how they were able to to broker and make friends through two mice who, you know, should have been yeah. in this more and had a more active role because the only thing they did was save both of these groups every step of the way. And when I say both of these groups, I really want to say they saved the pilgrims. They saved the pilgrims should have a hundred percent have been dead <laughs> just throughout this entire cartoon. And just been like, yeah. like um, they should have just been Roanoke off into history, like <laughs> the end. Yeah, it's because of that little mouse that they survived. So yeah, it's incredible. So it's, I, it's I'm I'm kind of torn. Weird. Like I like that they put the focus on the mice, especially for kids, because you can you know gravitate to that character right. a little bit easily. But I'm almost like I wish they would have done it American Tale style, where it was actually both the the mice, um, the group of mice, like mice mouse pilgrims, essentially could be traveling at the same time, but they would have their own interactions. You would focus on their relationships, their conversations with each other, and the humans would almost be in the background. But it's a parallel story where what's happening to the humans is happening to the mice, but you're following the mice because it's easier for kids to follow along with them and understand those stories. If they were to do this again, I would like to see that. But that's essentially just like an American Tale prequel, like because right. they came over on a different ship during <laughs> what? I think like the early 1900s um, or late 19th I think century. So, yeah. So this would have been like a colonial American Tale, which they've made a ton of those movies. I would be surprised if they haven't yet. I would also be more than happy to script the American Tale prequel of yet another mouse family that came over on the, on the Mayflower. Why not? Right. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I think it's cute. It was fun. Yeah. I think it's cute as well. And I, I break all of this down to kind of, you know, just distinguish that there's, there's a lot going on, but at the same time, I almost wish that there was more focus that was placed on the mouse and kind yeah, of the exactly. relationship and the dynamic that he had because it was so fun. It was so enjoyable to get into it. I will say probably the funniest thing for me are as always, uh, poop jokes and quotes that we have. Of course. At one of point, we have a little bit of nautical nonsense on the ship when the narrator refers to the poop deck on the ship. I'm Got a evident, little poop deck joke every I'm, time. I'm evidently 11 years old and I cracked up when he said it because it was just very unexpected. It keeps you young. That's yeah, okay. Keeps me young. That's right. Qu- quotes. A couple weird quotes that we have from here <laughs> that are very bizarre. Uh, so he talks a, a little bit about the fact, this is from Willem, the church mouse. Uh, he's He's talking about the pilgrims packing the ship, and he goes, they packed it stem to stern with all of their sad little yesterdays, and I lost my mind, because what the heck is a sad little yesterday? It's very evocative, but it's also kind of dark for for this. We we have Miles Standish at some point who just goes, Pilgrims, how did I get mixed up with these pilgrims? I'm like, He's, yeah. they're paying you money, dude. Like they two seconds later yeah. they show they show cash. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> just, you're, just gold, like yeah. sacks of gold just passed over to him. Like, oh that's how I got Yeah, mixed that's up. how I I got I got yeah, paid I got, for this. I got, this I is a bags job. Of gold, yeah. yeah, that's how this happens. Turns out I got bags of gold. Uh they they have a uh we have the captain who's swearing up a storm uh when he's leaving a room at some point. So Standish is is, is running after the mouse, running after Willem, who stole one of his military decorations. And then, again, along the lines of like him being very polite you know, to the rest of the pilgrims that are there, he's like swearing up a storm. He gets to the end of the door, and he turns and just on a dime just goes, peace, brothers, and then just turns like on his heels and runs out the door kind of screaming at this mouse again. That's funny. There was my favorite quote that, again, yeah. I'm, a, I'm, a little, I'm an 11-year-old boy. And this is what it says. This is verbatim. It says, you will need every penny's worth of my semen. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> Remember, we're on a boat, kids. Perfect. Perfect. Phrasing. I mean, yeah. Every penny's worth of my semen. Because we're in for a wicked rough voyage. I, was like, <laughs> I like that they got wicked boy. in there just yeah. for like the Bostonians. Yep. Throw it in there. Why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else that was an LOL for you, Dave? Uh, no, not really. Nothing specific. I didn't have any quotes. Uh, for me, like the whole thing was kind of like, it, it was fine. I'll talk about it a little bit more in our reviews. Yeah. But no more LOLs. Yeah. yeah. Well, we have opinions about this that you've obviously just listened to, but turns out that you, yeah, you listen right now. You have opinions about the mouse on the Mayflower. So we're going to turn this over now to longtime listener and friend of the show, Bobby Anthem for this week's love it or hate it. So Bobby, take it away. Our love it for the mouse on the Mayflower is titled excellent movie by Rach19716 in February 2007. Rach said, I really enjoyed this movie. 
As a child, I looked forward to the Thanksgiving holiday when this movie would be played on TV. We had it on tape at one point, but over the years, the tape has been lost. I haven't seen it for quite some time and would love to see it on TV again. It had a lot of really great information on how the holiday came to be. I would recommend this movie to all those interested in animated shows, as well as anyone who would like to watch a great movie on Thanksgiving. I hope they'll start playing the show on TV again. Every kid should get the chance to watch a fun-spirited cartoon on our history. 10 out of 10 stars. And our hated is titled, Chintzy Version of the Pilgrims and Mayflower Story, by Duraflex 4 in February 2010. Duraflex wrote, Start with the fact that this is historically inaccurate in many important ways. Add to that some of the cheapest, sloppiest animation you could imagine. The only thing vaguely entertaining about this made-for-TV movie is the catchy theme song, Mayflower, Mayflower, Sailing Brave and Free, Bound for Glory, This is Your Story. Two glaring mistakes among many others. William Brewster was the religious leader of the Pilgrims, not William Bradford as depicted in the film. Bradford was elected governor of the colony. John Alden was not a pilgrim, but rather a hired hand, a cooper or barrel maker in charge of looking after the ship's common cargo. He was an acquaintance of Captain Miles Standish, but not his assistant as depicted. Ultimately, Alden married pilgrim maiden Priscilla Mullins at Plymouth, and they had a family together. Three out of ten stars. Awesome. Thank you, Bobby. As always, Dave. The Mouse on the Mayflower. For anybody who is a first time or a new listener, we can do this. We can recommend it and we can tell you why we recommend you watch this cartoon. We can also say that we don't recommend it. We can give you a justification about why we didn't love this cartoon. If we don't recommend it, we can go one step further and we can dip this cartoon, which erases it from the annals of cartoon history. Dave, The Mouse on the Mayflower. How are you feeling? This one's tough. Uh, there are so few Thanksgiving specials out there that it's such a small group to choose from. And I kind of like each one of them is precious, even if they're not right. super great. Um, but I think there's enough history with this one. No pun intended. I, I mean, more like the production history that's behind it with Toei, with Miyazaki, with um, the writers and the um, the actors who are in it. And it's also it's not that bad as long as you keep in mind that, quote, outdated cultural depictions and quote um, stamp that we put on it from the beginning. It's not the most offensive thing I've ever seen. I've seen stuff in more recent years from people who should know better right. that are much worse than this. Um, but it definitely was of its time in, in 1968. I can't really recommend it, but I'm not going to dip it. Like, if you're into Thanksgiving, if you are a Rankin-Bass completionist, check it out. Watch it. You probably haven't seen it because we didn't either until just now. Um, but other than that, I can't really recommend too much. The history is not quite right. The animation is really wonky. And, uh, yeah... <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> That's the best I can do. It's okay. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm actually going to recommend this. Uh, I'm gonna recommend why? this with a caveat, very similar to what I mentioned for the last kids on Earth, which is watch this and then have the conversation with your children of mm. why are some of these particular stereotypes? Why have these things not aged well? Uh, and I think that in terms of history, it gets close, but it doesn't give you a full picture in terms of what's there. And so I think for, you know, kids that might be very young, it gives them some exposure and some ideas into this. But then I think as a parent, it's somebody that it's your job to really kind of help your children understand exactly what's taking place or what's going on or the the cultural relevance and significance of some of the language and the dated uh, commentary that they have, but then the historical implications and impact that's there as well. If you are an adult watching this by yourself, because you're just like, I really like Thanksgiving. Yeah, I would definitely rec. Yeah, I definitely recommend this uh, for everybody else. Don't watch this. It's, as Dave mentioned, it's really not that great. I feel like if you guys are listening and you made it this far, let us know your favorite Mayflower <laughs> compact stories. I guess are there more out there? Because it, it's hard to not recommend this one just because there's so right. few adaptations of that. But Honestly, if you have other ones out there, be they movies, TV shows, live action animation, I don't care, or, or fanfic, if you have your own Mayflower Whoa, fanfic what? you want to send to us, I may or may not what? be working on one. What? Um, 
send it to us. Let us know because I'd like I'd like to hear more. It's an interesting story that I don't think gets enough attention, and definitely when it's done right, doesn't. If have to you are often, writing so. your own Mayflower compact fanfic let us know because one the only thing i'll say is that it needs to be as horny as some of the disney plus cartoons that we recently watched oh yeah and two mayflower we will we will read it in some of the the preamble for any episode that we have that's coming up in the future dave and i will play yeah we'll we'll have a few christmas beers on a holiday episode and we'll read your fanfic how's that sound i would 100 percent love to do that (laughs) the only people who made it this far into the podcast are people who are currently working on mayflower (laughs) fanfic guaranteed like I said, I'm being kind of serious. One of them is sitting right here. So we're already at 50% of the audience. <laughs> Perfect. Love it. Uh, well, that is it for the mouse on the Mayflower. Very exciting. Thank you so much for, for listening, everybody. Hey, guess what? You heard him twice on this episode. He's a friend, Bobby Anthem. Uh, he's fantastic. You should check out his paranormal podcast, Inhuman Experience, with his co-host, Bobby Blades. You can find them on Twitter at IEXP underscore podcast. And Bobby has a solo show that if you find Inhuman Experience, there are several episodes, there's nine episodes currently, of In Search of My Lost Soul. Check it out. It's wonderful. I love it. Love Bobby. You can find that along with the Inhuman Experience podcast, as I mentioned. It's available everywhere that you listen to podcasts. Hey, Dave, what do you got going on, buddy? Same old stuff, bud. You can find me over at Collider.com. Check me out on Twitter at DrClawMD. And if you're looking for a gift suggestion for the nerdy science Breaking Bad fan in your life this holiday season, check out my book, The Science of Breaking Bad, available everywhere books are available. How about you, bud? What's going on? Oh, man. As always, I do live improv comedy in Washington, D.C. with a group that's called Knox. That's N-O-X exclamation point. We perform with Washington Improv Theater, and you can find tickets and times with dc.org. And as always, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Paul Ellis. Please help me not be on all the social medias all the time. Get them off there for the holidays. Yeah, well, I will say that we've had so many people who have reached out to us for recent episodes and stuff like that, that it's actually been really great. So I've I've really enjoyed those conversations. (laughs) Especially, we have a couple people that continue to send us really great cosplay all the time and are just... Like, you guys should dress up in cosplay and do part of an episode. Well, I mean, it's fun for us as we do it for each other. But <laughs> no one will ever see yeah, it. Yeah, nobody ever is going to see it. So. <laughs> we, I mean, we've talked about this before. I still would love to do, like, video components to the podcast. We are still in many, many steps of trying to figure out how that would work, when that would happen, and what that would look like. So stay right. tuned. Well, for this podcast, the one for your ears that you listen to all the time. Want to support us? You can tell a friend. You can review us on Apple iTunes and Apple Podcasts. It actually really does help and make a difference. Slide into our DMs on Twitter at Morning Tunes. Remember, that's morning with you. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Saturday Morning Cartoons. Drop us an email, SaturdayMorningCartoons at gmail.com. You can find all of these things that we've mentioned in the link in our bio that looks like it says the word Linktree. It allows you access to tell us what cartoons we should watch next. You can see all the cartoons that we've already talked about. You can even find all the links to our social media sites that we've mentioned. And as always, you can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever fine podcasts are sold. So please check that out. Thank you so much. We're so thankful that you listened and made it all the way through. We're also really thankful that you're working on that Mayflower Compact fanfic. Can't wait for all that weird on-the-ship horniness. We're going to read it on the 400th anniversary. It's going to be spectacular. Oh, my God. That would actually be pretty fun. Wouldn't that be fun? Let's do it. That'd be really fun. (laughs) That's it from us. Thank you guys so much. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening to Saturday Morning Cartoon. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to transform and roll out.